There are a lot of hoops to jump through to get into college, forms to fill out, tests to take, but figuring out those financial aid package offers, well, you need a college course to understand those. This is the Reset Podcast. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Across the country, prospective and current college students are making big decisions about next school year. And for a lot of them, the cost of school plays a big role in where they end up. That whole process can get a lot more challenging if you don't have a good grasp of what their financial aid package offers. That's why we talked to Lisa Phillip, higher education reporter at WBEZ. She's been digging into why those letters can be difficult to understand. And she has some tips to share. Lisa, what is it about these letters that just makes them so confusing? So... One of the issues is that they look so different from college to college, like vastly different. Like one will have, you know, tuition, fees, like all of the stuff that you expect to pay for um, so clearly laid out. Others I've seen don't don't even list tuition. Like, you know, that's what you're paying. What? They will omit that completely. Um, They just have loans listed. Um, There's just there's no uniformity, consistency at all. Like one of the college counselors I talked to was like, it's like looking at taxes. So um, I think it's just the inconsistency, the fact that there are sometimes really important pieces of information left out, like all of that adds to the confusion around these letters. I see. Has it always been this way? As far as I can tell, yes. Um, you know, there have been some efforts made to make them better. Um, I, I think there was a federal effort to, like, they created this thing called the shopping sheet, but colleges weren't required to use it, so it didn't really take on. Um, but yeah, as far as I can tell, you know, like, there's no, um, it, colleges, like, aren't, don't, don't have the time really to look at what their peer institutions are doing necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked to people who have said like financial aid offices are understaffed, so they can't, they don't necessarily have the time to look at like best practices for clearly communicating these things to students. Yeah. Plus, there's an incentive there to make them look more affordable than they really are. So as you mentioned, and it's also in your story, they're not federally regulated. These no. letters, unlike some of the, the other examples that, that you brought up there. So schools, are they requi- required at all to follow maybe a guideline or a template? No, no. no. <laughs> I am shaking my head vigorously because there is nothing there. So like for like a lot of other big financial transactions like mortgages, um, you know, there are federal regulations and how those mortgage letters are communicated. Sure. Nothing around colleges. So it's like the wild, wild west. Like, and it's still something that has to do with a lot of money. Yes. Like it's, it's it's often the price of a down payment on a house. Right. You know, right. Um, so there's de- there's a lot at stake there, but there just isn't that regulation there. There are definitely people calling for it. There's um, some, bi- some bipartisan legislation um, that's been proposed, but it so far hasn't really gone anywhere. Nowhere. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that you talked with a college counselor. Uh, she used to work with the admissions teams for a university. Let's hear what she had to say about these letters. It makes it really easy for families to take out a massive burden that that they might not have the means to pay back. And I've seen that in my own life, right? Like, that's why this work is so important to me. My family took out plus loans to pay for, for my education, and it's still like a source of contention, right? We're still paying it back. So that was uh, Sarah Yelich Miller. She also used to be an admissions counselor at Purdue University. What else did she have to say about how, you know, the kind of support that kids need to be able to understand their financial aid letters today? Yeah. So she she used to be, a you know, working in admissions and now she's on the other side of that, helping 
low-income and first-generation students in the West suburbs uh, help help get them apply to college and then also be able to afford it. So, of course, the financial aid piece is huge and they need a lot of support. Um, you know, it, like I think all students need support doing it. But then there are students whose parents didn't go to college themselves and they don't mm-hmm. have that know-how, um, you know. And so they're kind of going into this blind. So one of, you know, Sarah's biggest jobs really in getting students to, to college is helping them sort – through these letters and understand them. Um, I also talked to, you know, the college counseling team at Chicago Bulls College Prep in the city, on the city's west side, and the students there go through a whole boot camp on understanding financial aid award letters. Well, that's helpful. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, not a lot of students get that opportunity, you know, like... And not a lot of schools have a Sarah Yelich Miller. Yes, exactly. Right. Not a lot of... So, like... Counselors at at high schools across the state have so many students that they're working with on a daily basis. They don't necessarily have the time to be offering this kind of particular support to students. Mm. And just so we're clear, are all of the financial aid letters difficult to comb through, as you've described? Or is it just for students who are receiving lots of different types of money? So they're getting loans, they're getting work study, they're getting grants, etc. It is potentially difficult. Difficult for all students or or, or, um, just like opaque and confusing for all types of students, I would say. But I think there's more at stake for students who are relying on different kinds of aid to be able to afford to and go to college just to help them understand the kind of debt burden that they're taking on um, and whether, you know, the career they end up with or whether their family can support that kind of debt. Um, So, yeah, I think it's. Across the board, it's not great, but there's just a lot more at stake for, for well, students. good news, students. Lisa. You've got some tips for us, right? So I want to get yes. into the tips that she yeah. shared with you for the folks who may not have access to a college counselor, as we've discussed. So where do we begin? What's the first step? Okay, so the first step is you try and figure out your direct costs and your indirect costs. So direct costs are like the the things that you will be the money that you will be paying directly to the school for tuition fees if you're living on campus, um, dorms and meal plans, and hopefully your financial aid letter has those listed. But if they don't, you're going to have to go either call your financial aid office or check your website, um, check the college's website to figure that out. Um, So you add those up. Indirect costs are things like books. um, If you're living off campus, off campus housing, travel to the school. um, But you should basically put that all up and then you'll have the cost of attendance. Mm. Uh, We know the cost of college for most, if not all schools, they've gone up, right? Just like the cost of everything else around us, Lisa. So how should students sort of keep that in mind as they're going about looking toward May 1st and they're planning out their financial aid package from semester to semester? Yeah, so tuition is definitely going up. And, um, you know, it's definitely more that that increase is more pronounced at certain schools than others. The other thing to keep in mind is that you should make sure that your scholarships that you're getting, your grants you're getting are renewable from year to year because oftentimes those are just offered for the first year and they're not necessarily renewable. That is so important. Yes, because you don't want to get to your second year and be like, I don't have any of the scholarship money that I did your year and it's not like you can easily go to another school. Um, And I've heard anecdotally of schools front loading a bunch of scholarship and grants for that first year to make it 
really appealing to students and affordable to students. And then for years two through four, you're like, what do I do? You've got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've seen that happen to a, a few people that I know. And they were left scrambling. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's a terrible position. Taking out all kinds of loans. Yeah. Yeah. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with WBEZ higher ed reporter Lisa Phillip about why college financial aid letters can be so confusing and how you can actually try to make some sense of them. So, Lisa, you explained uh, students first need to calculate the cost of direct and indirect expenses to attend a university. What's the next step? All right. So the next step is usually on your your award letters, you'll have um, both scholarships and loans listed. And you need to be careful and make sure you're separating those out because, you know, one pot of money is what Sarah Yelich Miller called free money. One is not free money. These scholarships and grants and such are things you don't need to repay. And like, you know, if you're a student who has a lot of financial um, need that might be like a federal Pell Grant or an Illinois MAP Grant. You will not need to pay those back. That is beautiful free money. Okay. Um, but then you have loans, and those can take on different appearances in in the letter. Like, you know, that might be um, a federal unsubsidized or subsidized loan. But I've seen some letters where they list. Um, federal work study. And that is not, you know, that's not money you get. That's money you have to pay for. Um, So I think just making sure you're really clear on what is a grant and what is the loan that needs to be repaid is super important. Mm -hmm. So um, in in just figuring out what you're going to pay out of pocket. Got to make that distinction for sure. And so once you've sorted that out, what's the best way then for students to calculate what they'll actually owe at the end of that semester or that year of college. Yeah. So what you want to do at that point is take, you know, your cost of attendance and only subtract your free money from that. So you get an idea of what you will have to pay to the college and and pay in, indirect costs out of, you know, your earnings, savings, loans, um, just to give you that really bottom line number of like, and, and and give you the opportunity to be able to compare that cost between schools. Mm, I see. Yeah. Well, you started out by talking about how, you know, just from college to college, these letters just look different, right? What are the red flags that students should look for just right away when they, when they pull out these letters? Is there anything that they should know? Yes, definitely. So I would say one of the big red flags is, are um, – Parent PLUS loans. These are federal loans that don't have a cap, and your parent takes on this loan to help you with the cost of college. Um, you know, that sounds great, um, and, and some students might really need that money, but it comes with uh, a lot of fine print. The Like I said, there's no cap, so you can borrow a lot, end up borrowing a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um they have higher interest rates than student loans, than federal student loans, higher fees, and they start collecting interest right away. So these are, um, you know, I, Sarah just talked about how she, Sarah Yellow Miller talked about how her family took on these loans and without really knowing what they entailed, and her family is still paying those mm. loans back. Um, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, that's a big one. And then the other thing is federal work study. Um, so I should say that, the problem sort of with where this gets confusing for students is that school, some schools will list this as if it's, you know, just another loan or even maybe mischaracterize it as a scholarship or a grant, like have it sort of lumped together. Um, and so 
you know, there, there's obviously these things that come along with a parent plus loan, but the same thing for federal work study. Yeah. This is not money that is guaranteed to you up front. You have to you have to get to campus, find a job, and work. You know, it's not money that's just given to you to apply to your tuition. No, you, you've got to put the work in, for sure. Yeah. You talked earlier about uh, speaking with uh, Samantha Mondro, who's a college counselor at Chicago Bulls College Prep. Uh, that's a public charter school on the city's west side. I, I want to hear just a little bit of what she had to say about this discussion. Colleges also have to understand that these are people and lives and, like, money. It's a lot that you, I think they should have more people on campus to talk families through about how this is being financed. Yeah, some of the, the points that you made earlier. Now, can students just straight up ask for more money, Lisa? Yes. Like, who do they ask? They could call the financial aid office. Okay. Um, and, uh, like, across the board, college counselors I talked to said ask. Like, the worst second thing that can happen um, is that they say no and... You know, they can't rescind your acceptance, like rescind right. your other aid. Um, the worst thing they can do is say no. And she, um, Samantha Mondro made the point that you might have more um, opportunity for getting more money from a private school versus a public school because public schools are much more reined in by their funding than oh, a know. private school is. Um, but, yeah, you can call. But there's also um, uh, Sarah Yelch Miller shared a website with me that's in um, you know my story yeah leave us with w- some resources yeah. for, for students here in, in Chicago especially folks looking for help right now yeah yeah so uh, you know we have this online guide that takes you step by step through the process of deciphering your award letters um, and it it has a link to a worksheet that you can use that like separates you know out direct indirect costs uh, grants and loans and some information about that and helps you do like kind of a side-by-side comparison from college to college. Oh, great. Um, the story also has a link to a website that will um, basically draft up a financial aid appeal letter for you that you can send to a financial aid office because I think the process of doing it is kind of intimidating for families, especially, you know, first-generation families that haven't really gone through this before. Um, So that's a great resource out there. There are local nonprofits that especially, you know, work with students who maybe don't have the counseling support they have that they need Mm -hmm. to get through this. So I I definitely would look into some of those options. Like Sarah Yelich Miller's organization is called Green Halo Scholars, and they help students through this process. So, yeah, yeah, definitely taking looking online at our our guide and, and checking out that worksheet and checking out some of the local nonprofits that help students get through this. Lisa Phillips, a WBEZ higher education reporter. You can check out her story. It's on the homepage right now at WBEZ.org. Thank you so much. Thank you. This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Brenda Ruiz and edited by Dan Tucker. If you like this podcast, there's a pretty good chance that you'll dig our newsletter, which launches next week. Head to WBEZ.org slash reset to sign up. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. I'll talk to you again soon.